0: I am so excited to be here with you all tonight. I don't know about you, but it's been a long two years since the last time we met. Many of you may remember that the last time we met, it was like just days before the world shut down. And so, I'm grateful to be here with you all, and I'm glad that you all are here. But not only do I want to welcome you all here, I want to welcome the Holy Spirit. So if you don't mind, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we just come to you right now humbly. We thank you for all the preparation and prayer preparation that have gone into this day. We trust you with this service. We trust you with our lives, not just our eternal life, but our day-to-day life and details. And you know our hearts. And Lord, we pray that they would be right before you. I pray, Lord, that you would speak through each one of us, sing through Brooke and Kylie as she plays, I pray that you would speak through Michelle, and we're just so grateful that you've gone ahead of us and prepared the way. I thank you that this uh, amount of women and these particular women have, and young ladies have gathered here today in your name. And Lord, we just pray that your fingerprints would be all over this service, and we give you all the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to take care of a little housekeeping first. Um, There's a QR code that's on the back of the pews. If you want to scan those, um, that will give you more information about us. It will also um, take you to where you can fill out a, a prayer request card. An online digital one but if you are old school and you want a paper copy that's fine we've got you and so out at the Welcome Center there's a um, a slip a prayer request card and um, there's a box outside that says prayer requests and so we will receive those and pray over those Um, I also want to let you know that because of the shortened nature of the format that we're doing this year we won't have an intermission But if you need to slip out at any time, please feel free to do so. Um, The restrooms are located at the, um, flanking both sides of the foyer, and so um, feel free to to excuse yourself as you need to. Some of you may wonder why we've gathered here tonight, and um, we have gathered here because uh, the Lord has called you here. We know that God is the only one, the Holy Spirit is the only one that can draw the hearts of men and women, and so we, we think there's no mistake that this group has gathered here tonight for such a time as this. And so we're glad that you're here, and we, like we said, invite the Holy Spirit here because without Him, this is all for naught. Um, I recently heard a mom sharing with her teenage daughter that your eternity is more important than your Friday night. And I can imagine what she may have been referring to that goes on on Friday nights. But um, I've got to thinking, what if our Friday night and our eternity could coincide? And so we gather here tonight. Um, Scripture tells us that, like I said, only the Holy Spirit can draw you here. I could not have drawn this crowd myself, Michelle, Brooke, and Kylie. And we know that, again, the Holy Spirit has drawn you here. We have um, a threefold mission And many of you um, may have the same mission and our church does as well but we have a threefold mission and the three E's and so um, we pray that you would have an encounter with the Lord if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior we pray that by the end of the evening that you will be introduced to him if you already have a personal relationship with the Lord we pray that you would be equipped and so how we, we do that is to pro, try to provide resources that would help you uh, in your walk with the Lord. And then lastly, we want to encourage you to have uh, a heart to evangelize the lost. And you might think, wow, that's a big task. How am I supposed to do that? But simply stated, that is just sharing your story of what God has done for you. And so, what God has done for you, he can do for others. And so, that is what your testimony is. It's personal to you. And so, Jesus told the man that was healed in the Bible in Luke 8, 39, he said, return home and tell how much God has done for you. And so, we want you to do just what Jesus said. We want you to go to your home We want you to go to your family, to your school, to your workplace, to your churches, to your community, and we want you to tell people what Christ has done for you because there's no greater advertisement or testimony than a changed life. So, without further ado, we welcome Brooke Robertson and her... Uh, assistant Kylie who will be playing the guitar and accompanying her and then immediately following their music um, we welcome Michelle Nieder to the stage and it's been a long day she missed her connecting flight and the Lord um, provided a way and she is here so we're thankful for that or you would have heard my testimony which would have been okay too but anyway so we welcome you all to the stage and welcome you all here and again welcome the Holy Spirit so thank you
1: Amen. How are y'all doing? Y'all doing all right? It's such an honor just to be in this room with all of you. So thankful we came up from uh, Louisiana, Southeast Louisiana to be here. And I can just say that Kentucky is beautiful. Um, I'm a horse girl. And so I know this is like the state for that. But um, I just hope that y'all enjoy these songs and really that they speak to your heart. Um, As an artist, I'm just very conscious of... Writing, And I want to make sure that whenever I write a song that it's relatable. And so I hope that you don't mind that I share the story behind all these songs because uh, they mean a lot to me. But this first song is called Just Be You. And uh, just last week I had someone approach me and uh, they were comparing me to another artist in a way that was kind of bringing me down. And I could have hung on to that and let it spiral me down into insecurity but I realized exactly what the enemy was trying to do. And, um, you know, I was like, you're right. I'm not that person. I'm not that artist. I'm Brooke Robertson. I don't sing like them. I don't act like them. I don't dress like them because that's not where my identity is found. My identity is in Jesus. And when we're able to walk into that, into our calling and be confident in who God's called us to be, we're unstoppable, amen. This is just for you.
2: Putting on a show that we never stand going with the flow. Shine yeah.
1: Thank you so much. This next song, um, I feel like I've told so many stories behind this song and just new things come up. But uh, not long ago, I found myself scrolling through Instagram, and I'm sure we all have social media in here. It can be very, very toxic, and I've learned that the hard way. And so I was scrolling through one night on Instagram, and they had this post from somebody, and they had this certain opportunity. And I began to feel comparison start to creep in, like, I really would love that opportunity. That's so cool, you know, like, why can't I have this? And and that, I'm like, God stopped me so quick and said, Brooke, you don't think you can share my name with where you are? And that brought me back and put me back in my seat, and it's so true. We sometimes get so caught up in comparing ourselves to someone else and and their life, their job, their marriage. When truth is, we all have our own things that we're struggling with. And that person that you're comparing yourself to is doing the same exact thing with someone else because we're human. And that's just the truth of it. And so when we realize, hey, God can use us with where I'm at right now, the enemy cannot stop us because we're fully trusting in God's plan and we're called for a specific purpose. Amen? This is perfect for me. so much this next song I thought was very fitting I don't sing it much and I don't know why but very fitting because I'm sitting in a room full of women and I wrote this song for my mama and um I'm gonna try not to cry so (laughs) but um yeah my mom shared this story with me I didn't even know but she shared it with me whenever I was kind of starting to just get into music and um, before writing this last record, I was really just praying about what to write about, and this story that my mom shared with me was something that I knew I had to write about. But when she was um, pregnant with me, she became very sick, and it was about six months into her pregnancy, and she was just so miserable, physically um, struggling and mentally struggling um, when she was pregnant, and. She was very very sick and doctors didn't know what was going on they couldn't really properly test to see what was going on so they couldn't even treat her and so all they knew to do was just to get her by and treat what symptoms she did have and they thought that she was she had a brain tumor they thought that and um throughout her months of pregnancy it was very draining for her and she became very depressed And I'm just so thankful for the women that were in her life, pouring into her and speaking life over the both of us. I'm so thankful for that. And, you know, I know that she went through that and you tend to ask God why. Something that should be a very happy time for her wasn't, it was very hard. And, um, around eight months, they were able to just say, Hey, we don't know what's going on. Um, there's a chance that you both may not make it. And so we need to go ahead and have her early. And so they, they did. I was, I was a preemie and uh, they were able to figure out that she actually had shingles of the brain, which is a very rare. And it actually paralyzed um, two cranial nerves. And so she was, she's permanently deaf in one ear and has paralysis. But when I look at her, I don't see all of that. I see such a strong woman of faith and someone that hung on to those prayers and someone that didn't give up. And my mom is someone that I look up to. And I know there's a lot of women in here that look up to other women and young girls that I've just been so thankful for to have women look up to. And so this song is called Purpose for the Pain. And it's not that God causes things to happen. But sometimes we're allowed, and we have to walk through that to realize that we can't do things on our own, and we need Jesus, we need God throughout all those things, and it's not His fault. And you know, I don't, my mom received her healing here, but sometimes we receive our healing in heaven, and I don't have all those answers, but what I do know is God doesn't change. He's still the same God, He's still so, so good, and He loves you. Amen. This is Purpose for the Pain.
2: was the longest eight months of your life a baby girl was on her way but you were living day by day what was supposed to be a happy time until the doctor said you might not make it through this but i so glad that you did There's a purpose for the pain There's a season for heartbreak We walk through the fire And come out brand new Yeah, there's healing, don't forget There's a reason for all this And
0: maybe
2: that's enough to give Oh, don't hold on to the hurt of yesterday. There's a purpose for the pain. Oh, your scars are proof of where you've been. But all I see is strength and faith. When you're looking back at me. prayers that were said, spoken over you and me. Back then it was hard to see. There's a purpose for the pain. There's a season for heartbreak. We walk through the fire and come out. it's hard, hope is so far away, lost in the dark, you can't find another way, no, there's a purpose for the pain, there's a season for heartbreak, we walk through the fire and come out A purpose for your pain.
1: Amen. Thank you. Thank you. I just want to share this story with you guys. It's my testimony. Um, it's the most vulnerable I've ever been, and. I remember it was at an event similar to this, me sitting out in the audience and someone up here sharing their story, and it's so cool to see how God has just made things full circle. But um, whenever I was around 10 years old, I was sexually abused, and I went through so much as a kid and it was so hard to process what I had just gone through and it was something that I was stuck in for a while when I got out of that I couldn't really process everything and I felt alone I felt scared I felt dirty and I didn't know what else to do other than to just be quiet about it and so I did I buried it so deep down I became numb And for 15 years, I promised myself I would go to the grave with my story. I always said I would never talk about it. And God placed people in my life who'd share their story with me, and they never knew what I had gone through. But I always looked at them and I said, I could never be that brave. How do you get there? And I remember just the thought of sharing my story made me so unsettled. And so years went by, and um, I find myself as a Christian artist. (laughs) God has a sense of humor sometimes. Um, And he knew if it wasn't for music, I would have never shared my story. Um, But at this moment in my career, I was struggling with my purpose. And God... There's people who sing better than me. There's people who speak better than me. Like, why, why this? I, f- I don't feel good enough for it. But God has placed something special in each of you to share. And my story was something he wanted me to share. And I remember after praying for songs to write about when this story popped up, I, I fought God. I said, no, I'm okay. I don't need to talk about it. And God said, hey, people need to hear. People are hurting. And so I fought and fought for weeks because usually this story would just surface and I could bury it deep down and it wouldn't leave me this time. And so I knew it was God because when it is God, it doesn't leave you until you address it. And I learned that. And so I said, okay, God, if you want me to share this story, you're going to have to help me because I don't feel strong enough for this. I don't feel like I'm capable of it. How am I supposed to share my story with the world when I haven't even told my family? And so I was just praying. I said, God, I need clarity. I don't even know if I'm going to get that, but I need, I need some sort of direction. And in my gut, in my heart, I felt like I needed to reach out to my abuser, and so I did. I reached out, and I said, hey, I just want you to know that I forgive you, and that God forgives you, and that God loves you, and to learn that this person wasn't a believer, I was able to share Jesus with someone who hurt me very deeply, and I've had people ask, Brooke, why would you forgive someone that hurt you so deeply? It doesn't excuse what happened because the enemy just wants to use our unforgiveness and to pull us away from what God has for us. When we realize that we can forgive that person and move on and let God carry us through, it's so freeing. It was so freeing for me to forgive this person. And so I felt like nothing could hold me back. I said, the enemy's kept me silent for way too long. And I said, no more. I'm going to share my story with the world. And so I had to tell my friends and family first. And then I went up to Nashville and I wrote this song. It's called Taking My Voice Back. And it was another level of healing for me I didn't know I needed. But when we hold on to unforgiveness, it's heavy. We become angry, bitter. We blame God. Trust me, I've been there it's not God's fault. This world is so fallen. But God wants to use our pain for good. And but we have to let him. Because if we let if we hold on and harbor it up on unforgiveness and, and anger, the enemy's gonna distract and pull us away. That's all he wants to do. And so if you're if you came in today with just any unforgiveness on your heart, any anyone who's done you wrong. I just want you to know, like, Jesus died on the cross for all that. And Jesus was being beaten to death. He said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. So if Jesus can forgive, and I can. And it's just so freeing there. This is taking my voice back.
2: Let me paint a picture of a 10-year-old girl. Try to say no, had to hide from the world. Innocent, blameless, but carrying shame. Selling herself she'd be okay, I'd let go. Though I feel alone here I know that I'm not I'm taking my voice back So scared of the moments Trying to escape Afraid if she told She'd be the one to blame She better keep quiet And bury the pain Keep telling herself for the other little girls you're taking your voice back you're writing your song and nothing can stop you you gotta move on you gotta learn to forgive them they've taken enough so you feel alone here just know
1: Thank you. Thank you all so much. You know, I grew up my whole life hearing that saying, God will never give you more than what you can handle. And I'm still trying to find that verse in the Bible. <laughs> um, the things that I've gone through were way too heavy for me to carry and I tried and tried to carry it on my own and it just left me in this place of darkness and depression and as I realized when I met Jesus I didn't have to carry that anymore we're gonna have problems here this world is just so fallen it's dark we're gonna go through things that are unfair and it's okay to acknowledge that, hey, I've got a problem here, but it's not okay to sit there and let that be bigger than the one who's bigger than that. And Jesus died for everything and anything that we'll ever have to go through here. And so I hope this song encourages you. Whatever you're going through, I know it feels so big, but I know a God who's way bigger. Amen? This is Gaze.
2: The waves start to rise The winds blow to carry the wave That's on my mind You call me out on the water One step at a time second-guessing to see what's left behind. Yes, I will keep my eyes on you. I will keep my eyes on you. So I'll gaze on you. Jesus, when I'm faced with troubles, I hold on the truth.
1: Thank you so much.
3: <laughs> okay. Okay. All right, that was a task in itself because I had a hip replacement in December. So, <laughs> hi, I am Michelle Needert, and I am so excited. You don't know how excited I am to see your faces because I did leave at 3.30 this morning and my connecting flight did not make. And I was like in front of this American Airlines lady and people were yelling at them, I'm not kidding. And I thought, Lord, I'm gonna be nice because you know there's that sweetness that comes with honey. And I just went up to her and I just said, here's the deal. There's a couple hundred women in Lexington, Kentucky and I need to get there. And I need to know if you can get me there before like six or seven o'clock tonight. And she was just kind of like, oh, I don't think so. Duh, duh. And then she was like, wait a second. There's a flight to Louisville. And if you go out at 3:30, you're the first one on standby, you might make it. And I made it. <laughs> I had, I am telling y'all. Sometimes I think God likes to show off big, and I'm telling you, the forces of heaven were being recruited by every person I knew on social media and my mama and her tribe to make sure that I got here tonight. And I am so grateful to be here with you. And I just love what Brooke just shared, that vulnerability and that honesty, because we're gonna talk tonight about mental health. And we're gonna talk about how we are managing our emotions right now. And some of that does come from the pain of our past. I recently had a woman in her 50s this past year for the first time tell me, and I was the first person she ever told, that she had been sexually abused as a child. And it was a horrific crime of a neighbor. And you know how she told me? She told me by throwing a piece of paper in my trash can and telling me that she had thrown something in my trash can and I might want to go look at it. It was that hard for her to say the words. But let me tell you what, I wish you could meet that woman today. I wish I could tell you who she is. She is not the same person she was then. Through the process of being honest with her pain and involving God in the healing, she, she's lost 80 pounds. She has boundaries. She, she is honest with people in her life that she has never had the courage to be before. I mean, it just blows my mind what God can do. And we don't think that stuff matters. But it was weight she was literally carrying on her body. It was the fact that she was the victim to everyone until she learned to find a voice because she didn't have one back then. And so I want to talk to you about making up your mind Because I think that a lot of what's going on in our culture right now is we are so swayed by emotion right now. And I want to talk to you about what we can do, not only from a psychological, I'm going to bring you some of the best psychological research there is. But I'll be honest with you. I think without the power of the Holy Spirit behind that research, I'm telling you now, I don't do marriage counseling with non-believers very often. It is... Hard work, and I don't have a—I don't have a tag team involved in my office. When my counselors, I've trained over 50 counselors. I own a count. I'm going to tell you a little bit about myself. Um, and if—if if I may have to point right here, but if it doesn't work, they're going to flip the slide for me. I think. So, maybe we'll see. Okay, so hopefully, you're going to see a picture of my family in just a minute. Maybe. Oh, I'm, I'm shooting a laser at somebody. That's got to be fun. <laughs> duck! Duck now! Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and pull it here then. Hopefully we'll get a slide there, my family up there in a minute, if we can move those slides along. I've been counseling people for over 25 years. There we go. I own a counseling center in the Dallas area. I have obviously flown in today from somewhere. Um, Your pastor didn't recognize me when I came back out. He's like, I don't, who did I, who are you? (laughs) I guess I clean up well, baby, or something like that. And I cleaned up fast today for you guys, let me tell you. Um, I've been married for almost 20 years to my husband, Drew. How many of you are in the parenting trenches? Right now yeah i'm with you 11 and 14 let me tell you don't do puberty and menopause together let me tell you now that is a bad idea i have told my husband you are on dude Covid hit he used to travel four days a week he's home i'm like you handle her i want to be the fun mom because when we try to do the other stuff it's not working very well there is a lot of um, hormones running around this house, and he—he's like, I, I realize that. I think I better do that. <laughs> so, um, and, and then I have a younger son who is 11, who has struggled with some really—and um, he doesn't mind me sharing this with you because he feels like if he could help another kid, and I see there are some of you in the room tonight then then he feels like that would be a blessing. But he has struggled with a lot of anxiety, partly because he has sensory issues. Anybody else bugged by like tags and loud noises? And, and COVID has made it worse. Like my family, I did not know this was genetically in my husband's family. I should have. My husband broke up with me the first time because I chewed my popcorn too loud. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you don't know it... So, I'm in a trauma training, and we start talking about this thing called misophenia. Misophenia is when you hear, like, verbal noises and sighs and loud chewing, and it makes you go into a fight, flight, or fight stage. Some of you do not point to people in the room. I see what's going on here. I'm watching head shake and stuff like that. My daughter developed a severe case of this. And my family, I did not know this, we are loud eaters. we breathe. And I don't know if our nasal passages aren't so clear, but we breathe and we kind of like open our mouths and kind of try again. And she would go, mother, just like that at me. I mean, it's so bad. She's kind of having to stand away from the table at school when she's got a friend who kind of makes some noise and it really gets to her too. And the rest of them all know what's going on now. So it's kind of a thing. But my son's got some of that stuff going on. And then in in, in what I never dreamed about 10, gosh, has it been five, 10 years ago now, um, he's 11 when he was four my sister-in-law who is my husband's twin sister and her husband were both diagnosed with cancer two weeks apart and they died two years apart and they left behind three children under 10. and while i was talking to my daughter and the cousins the girl they had two girls right in between my daughter fell between them a lot And, you know, I was trying to stay in my lane and not, like, counsel them, but still take good care of them and their emotions. Um, When we realized they would both leave this earth, I didn't think about my nonverbal four-year-old was absorbing all this. And you know what he bought? He bought this, and we're going to talk about these kind of lies, that the enemy will plant through experiences in our lives. He thought it was normal that both parents could die. And so all of a sudden, I'm in the doctor's office, and um, we're talking about tummy problems. And she's like, you know how I always tell you take your... We, we're on a bunch of school board stuff together. She goes, you know how I always tell you take the counselor hat off, put your mom hat on? I'm going to have you switch for just a second. Put your counselor hat on. She reads me his chart. Trauma in the family, recent grief, both parents die, kid now has an upset stomach, is leaving school frequency. I'm like, oh my gosh, separation anxiety. We do not need an anti, you know, kind of thing in the tummy. We, the probiotic might not be the problem. My son, as I looked at him in that moment in the doctor's office, I said, are you scared mommy and daddy are going to die? And he said, I dream all the time that daddy's plane blows up and you die of cancer. And this is what I want to tell you. We are living in a culture that we have never been in before. I hate to tell you, some of you ladies could testify to this, and I do not have time to give you a mic. I'm so sorry. But... Do you know that three out of five adults right now report they are the most exhausted they've ever been in their lives? Okay, I do have some good news for you today. I did not get to participate in this, but maybe we all could tonight. Did you know that today is International Sleep Day? (laughs) Now, don't do it now. Wait till I'm done, okay? But I'm thinking... We might need to claim that as we leave. Maybe inform some people in your house that that's the case, and we're all going to celebrate that tonight. I do not think that's going to be going on in the youth wing. I have heard there's going to be, like, I mean, they are calling it a sleepover. I used to be a youth minister. I don't remember when there were a lot of teenagers in a church, much sleep going on, especially for us adults. But maybe that would be something y'all use tonight. I don't know (laughs) in the midst of that. But we are living in a culture that is struggling right now. And it is so funny that God has called me up at this time. I will be honest with you. I used to travel years ago. I worked with John Townsend and Henry Cloud. I talked about boundaries and dating because they were old and married and I was young and single. And they thought I was a much better draw, I think, for the crowds for their book. Um, but and i want to tell you a little bit about um i have a podcast called raising mentally healthy kids i'm super passionate about that two books out right now if you scan that qr code and it'll come back up again then you can get on my mailing list and get this powerpoint if you want to see it later if you're the note taker just bear with me i know it's hard not to have any fill in the blanks right now but we're going to make it i want to tell you that this is a different culture and our youth too are struggling. That's why the Raising Mentally Healthy Kids podcast is so important to me right now. I don't know if you realize this, but we have gone in from one in four kids having a mental health diagnosis by the time they're 18 to right now one in three currently meeting criteria for a diagnosis. Think about the difference in those numbers. Now I think that, and, and, and I don't think we can point to one thing that's going on. We've got a lack of movement. We've got less. The kids are isolated more than they've ever been before, and some of them got used to it, and they don't really. Some of you introverts know what I'm talking about. You don't really want to come back out, right? I mean, you seriously were in your robe thinking Netflix sounded pretty good, before you put your clothes on tonight. There were some of you. I know. Don't point again, ladies. You don't have to do that, but you know who you are, and. There were some of you who were just literally, I asked my daughter, the extrovert in our family, I don't know where she got that from. Um, in the midst of COVID, I said, you know, I've been doing these interviews all over the country because I decided to say yes to every youth group, PTA, whatever, that asked. They wanted me to come on and say, how do we make sure our kids are okay? And, and so I asked her, I told them to ask their kids. So it's always good if you do what you tell other parents to do as an expert. So I said, when is the last time you cried? And she said to me, Mom, I've cried every day for the last two weeks. I'm like, are you serious? Your eyes don't look red when you come downstairs. She said, in my room, by myself. She said, this is hard. The play's not happening. The music I worked for is not happening. I don't like teachers on Zoom. It's not the same. And I thought, we got to do something. So I got the mamas together. We opened the minivans and the, and the SUV hatchbacks and got in a parking lot. And we told them we would kill them if they got six feet from each other. They didn't have to worry about COVID. No, really, we just told them, you're never going to do this again otherwise. So And we started these COVID circles with social, like physical distancing because we realized that our kids needed that. Some of our kids still need that. I work with families today, and I'm shocked when I ask parents... Do you, you know, my, my, the young one, the boy, he doesn't like to socialize. I don't know. He does not get that from me. You should meet his dad, though. You'd totally get it. My husband, in the midst of COVID, I mean, we've never, in, in 19 years of marriage, the last two and the first year are the only time we have lived in a house seven days a week together, pretty much. He's pretty much was on the road. I, it's a good thing I'm a marriage therapist. Let's just put it that way. But, and I'll tell you what he wanted. I said, honey, what do you want for your anniversary? He goes, a kayak so I can go on the lake and get away from every single human in this home. (laughs) He said, and don't you even judge me because I know it doesn't take that long to get Target grocery pickup because I've done it before. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, I might be sitting in that car a little bit longer than necessary, you know. I'd like to say I was always meeting with Jesus, but sometimes I was just enjoying the quiet or maybe reading a book or listening to a podcast without somebody saying, can I have a snack now? And um, how long is this going to last? And um, are you going to keep talking so loud? Because we can hear you in other places in this house. I don't need the mic, by the way. Okay. So I want to talk about this because as we talk about mental health, there's a big difference. And I... Between mental health and mental illness. And I think this is really important because I will tell you what I think is going on with some of our kids right now. Some of you, and your mamas are doing it too, so I've told them to stop. They're Googling your symptoms and they're diagnosing you. Some of you are diagnosing yourself. I mean, I had a kid the other day come up to me and say, I have an anxiety disorder. And I'm like, oh, you've seen a doctor or a counselor, right? And no, they've Googled it. Okay, so let me say this very clearly. Your diagnosis is not your destiny. Your diagnosis, because some of you have even had medical diagnoses, it's a snapshot of a moment in time. So you can be depressed, and then six months later, you cannot be depressed. Now, there are some mental illnesses that tend to hold on and linger, but especially those of us believe that, that his mercies are new every morning and we are new creations in Christ, things like that, we have to hold on to that truth. And we have to keep our kids from becoming fragilized because if they're dealing with normal stress and worry, and all of a sudden they think they have a diagnosis, they're gonna, it's going to come true. If you think you have an anxiety disorder, it is not going to make you feel less anxiety. Especially if you're not getting help along beside that of some sort. And I think there are lots of different help that work. So I want you to look at this right now because mental health is always on a continuum. And here's the thing I'm going to ask you ladies to do. Because we ladies, we like to take care of other people a lot. And I, a lot of you will look at this mental health continuum and put somebody you love on it. But I need you to take off your caregiver hat. I am gonna. I do this, I do this, I make my staff do this. And I want you to just think about yourself. Where are you? Are you functioning pretty well? Praise Jesus. And don't be embarrassed about that. I had one person say, you know, we're all doing okay right now, and I feel kind of guilty about talking about that. And I'm like, no. You know, there's a time to weep and a time to dance. We want those of you who are doing well to celebrate that. You know, if somebody's crying with tears down their eyes, I don't suggest you get up and do a little, you know. But, I mean, be sensitive, but celebrate the fact that there is goodness in your life. Because we, we connect and relate to a great God who is good, who is for us. And we need people reminding us of that. When I was on the plane, I had a beautiful conversation with another believer on this weird leg that I ended up on. Beautiful conversation with her. Um, She's lived a long time and she's got grandkids all over the place and she's traveling all over the place and we need that encouragement of others. But let's be honest, some of us are struggling. We don't want to get out of bed. We don't want to go certain places. And some of that... We can't just pretend like it's not there. You can love Jesus and struggle. You can know God's word and struggle. You can be a mental health professional and a Christian counselor like me and struggle. And sometimes you don't even... It's created in the most weird way possible. I just had this hip replacement. And I, the doctor, this is my second. I kind of was overdid it on the tennis courts when I was a kid. I'll just be honest. My doctor's like, my husband keeps asking for robotic parts. You know, he's like, if she's going to be out for six months and it's going to cost the insurance company $80,000, can you do better than just a, like, metal joint? I'm like, honey, but I, they put me on a medicine, and I, when I rebounded off of it, it's called gabapentin. It's a nerve medicine, and it's but it also works with anxiety. And when I rebounded off of it, it gave me anxiety. It it took me a while to figure out what was going on. I'm in Austin at the Christian Counselors of Texas conference about to speak. And I'm talking to my husband. I'm like, I don't even know what I'm doing. I don't even know why I'm here. And I've got this weird feeling like the flu through my body. And I'm kind of, then I'm listening to myself, you know, like put the counselor hat back on. I'm like, "Uh uh-oh. I literally, your mind can want to do one thing. Your spirit can want to do another thing. But your body may fight you sometimes. I mean, mine was just a medical response. And when I figured that out, that did make me feel a little bit better. But guess what? I had to do the same work I asked my clients to do that I'm going to talk to you about. I had to get up every morning and start my day by making up my mind and resetting my mind before my feet hit the floor, even though my body felt different. I had to do this I had to I started journaling like crazy and when you have to write on deadlines journaling does not sound fun to you all of a sudden it just sounds like more work but I had to go before the Lord and say God I don't know what's going on with my body but you know what my calling is and I have to trust you as the vessel for you to show up in a way I haven't had to do in a long time when those things happen it it can it can make us humble but we want to be careful that the, we don't allow the enemy who wants to steal, kill, and destroy to break us. Because he's literally killing our kids. And they're, and he's using their own hands to do it. It's not good. I had a mama call this week and say, my daughter committed suicide three months ago. I'm like, oh. You know, she's like, I hear you're the woman I should talk to. (laughs) I was like, I wish you'd heard somebody else in my head. Because that's, I know where I will go with her. And I'm willing to do that. Because of my calling in Isaiah 61, 1 and 2. That idea of like, biting up the brokenhearted and freeing the captives. But it is hard work. And, And let me tell you what, as I talk to kids in schools, they've been through it. Because they've had, I had a mom call me the other night. I'm in Austin that night and I'm kind of wigging out and she texts me and she says, listen, I just stopped my son from texting your daughter but some random girl is texting him saying, I think I want to die and he doesn't know how to respond to her and I don't know what to tell him to do so we decided to call you because we thought we wouldn't make your daughter play therapist because you were out of town and I was like, thank you for that. I appreciate that a lot and so we live in a difficult time where we don't always know what to do and right now, you know, I keep telling the kids in the public schools, death is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. And we've got to hold on to hope. And some of you may need that hope more because you're all the way on this end of the continuum. You're really struggling, it's interfering with your life and your health, or someone else in your home it's doing that for. And you know what? After time, I talk to kids who literally get almost like what we get, secondary PTSD and caregiver fatigue. Because some of these kids, I, as the, I used to be a school crisis counselor for a district of 20,000 kids. And I would tell them to quit doing my job. I can barely handle it, and I got a master's degree and a lot of training. You're 14, and you're trying to carry your friend's depression. And as believers, I think that's stuff we turn over to God. We're still there for them. But we cannot carry that. And our kids can't be carrying that. Wait. I teach my counselors to bag it up and leave it at the back door other than to pray. Because they can't carry that. Or they're going to be in a, you know, divorce. They're going to talk to one of our family attorneys that we work with or something. So all these things move our mental health meter, right? Menopause will move your mental health meter. Amen? Amen? Sleep deprivation. Do you know within 48 hours... You can begin thinking really irrational thoughts. And by 72 hours of sleep deprivation, you can start seeing and hearing things. Fight for your sleep. This is kind of what we're dealing with right now. And we are weary, but there is hope. There is hope. This is a, this is a season where we've experienced grief, where there has been no other. And those waves will come. And parts of those are anger and Depression. But then acceptance and healing comes also. And if I could figure out how to speed that clock, believe me, that book would be a bestseller, wouldn't it? Yeah. Some of you who have grieved, you know what I'm talking about. You can know what to do, but you can't make those stages work faster. So we have to begin to think about what can we control, what can we not control? I just did this with a group of elementary school students in a school and like middle school students. Uh, for Valentine's Day, I had them draw a heart. And in the heart, I had them put the things that they and God could control. And then I had them put on the outside things they couldn't, just to help them see the difference. And then we did did something, which I'm going to show you a little bit later as a skill. We did this thing called containment, where I had them, and we do this in our offices. I have this on my website, your mental it's a, we made little worry gobblers for the kids during covid all our loved and cherished camp girls you just take a kleenex box you wrap it up really cute and make give it little teeth and stuff and the kids could stick their worries in there and it's a way to leave their worries behind i we taught because we were teaching a christian um, group of girls that god could gobble up those worries because that's what he says right cast your cares upon him and let that happen. Sometimes I ask that lady who was dealing with that heavy, heavy situation, you know, a really criminal situation of rape by a neighbor, leave it in my office. Let's leave it here. Don't carry it with you during the week. I've had grieving widows and we figure out when they're going to cry. Widows like to cry in the shower. The ones who don't like to cry do, at least. So I want you to begin to think about this. I want you to think about where you are And now we're going to do something really fun. I get paid a lot of money to do this. And we don't do this enough in our culture. And for you extroverts, you're going to love it. And introverts, you're just going to have to bear with me through this, okay? (laughs) All right. What we're going to do is called a dyad. So you're going to pick somebody right beside you, and they're going to be your partner. You can kind of see these women at another conference doing this, okay? Because I'm going to teach you the power of of speaking, kind of what Brooke talked about, and then being heard. And I'm also going to show you how much you can get done in one minute. I'm going to even use a timer to make sure I'm accurate here. Okay, so look at somebody and say, you're A. And if you need to move, you might have to turn around. (laughs) I don't want a lot of threesomes. Okay, but here's the thing, ladies, ladies. As soon as you get that, I haven't told you what to talk about yet, and here's the deal. I only got so much time on this stage. So here, you got to listen to me. And when I say stop, you have to stop. Your pastor and I were just talking about how good effective whispering it is. It really is. Look at that. Okay. All right. So here, listen to me real quick. First of all, B, you're gonna go first. Sorry about that. Okay? Yeah. Okay. I kind of play that way. Okay, here's your question. Listen, B. You're gonna talk for one minute. If you are a, if you're a talker, you may have to put your hand over your mouth, eh? Because you are going to just listen. One minute. You cannot me too. You cannot tell them how it happened to you too. You cannot tell them what to do about it. You are to just listen. And when I say stop, you're going to say thank you for sharing. And then A, you're going to talk for one minute. Okay, one minute. Okay, here's your question. Okay, listen to me because you got to stay with me with this. I'm not playing. Okay, your question is, and B, you're speaking first, how are you feeling, and what is currently affecting you? I'm going to give you a minute to process what I just talked about. Okay, how are you feeling? Where, maybe where are you on this mental health spectrum? Okay, and, and it's, everybody's going to be talking, so nobody can really hear what you're saying, that kind of thing. If there's a lot of threes, I'd like you to try to raise your hand and find somebody else where it can just be two of you, because somebody's got a lot to say, and it's not going to work well. Okay, I know how women roll. All right, ready? Start talking. Now, some of you, that was the longest minute of your life, I know. And some of you were barely getting going. You got a lot more to say. I'll try to give you a little more time later, but I got to get mine in first. Okay. So, A, it's your turn. How are you feeling and what is currently affecting you? This is your chance. Isn't the minute powerful? One minute can be powerful when we're direct. When I have couples tell me they don't have time to connect, I'm like, one minute. Kids and their parents, one minute. The right question and the right openness, a minute's powerful. Go ahead, A. so you got a little extra time there. <laughs> All right. Okay, I want to show you something here. This is Cognitive Behavioral Therapy 101, but this is also in Scripture, so I want to talk about this. I want to talk about the fact that we have, we can live out of different ways in our, in our soul. Okay, we can live out of our thoughts, driving our feelings. We can live, and ladies, we struggle with this more, our feelings... Driving our lives, and all of these affect our behaviors. But I also believe our behaviors affect our feelings. So I believe if you start moving, you'll build serotonin in your body, and that behavior will affect your emotions too. But I wanna say this very clearly we're living in a culture where a lot of people are allowing emotions to drive their bus. And I believe God should be driving the bus, but let me say this there's a lot of people, and you know who they are, do not point if they're in the room, who think emotions shouldn't be on the bus at all. And that doesn't work either. There is this sense of integration. We talk about this in dialectical behavioral therapy. There's like the emotional mind, and then there's the rational mind, and then there's the wise mind. And it's the merger of the two. And I would add, if you really want to make it stronger, put, put God in the middle of that and his perspective with that and that's a good three strands that cannot be broken in that sense and we need to think about where is where is where is what i'm thinking what i'm feeling coming from okay because it can come from, like, just waking up. It can come from a medication reaction. It can come from your hormones. It can come because, and we're going to talk about all the different obstacles we have to come as we make up our mind. But we're going to talk about making up our mind and getting the feelings on the bus. And I, and I get this. I came from a family like that. Like, I'm working on a series with the HarperCollins Christian right now for kids called God I Feel. And my mom was a little disappointed that the titles are God, I Feel Sad, God, I Feel Scared, God, I Feel Mad. She was kind of hoping for hope, peace, and joy kind of thing. But that doesn't teach parents to sit with their kids and their emotions. And when those emotions don't get addressed, they loop. And they get stronger and stronger and stronger. And I want parents and grandparents, some of you are playing a huge role in the lives of your children, your grandchildren spiritually and emotionally and relationally, to help our kids, and I want you to do it too, to acknowledge what you feel. The research says it takes about 90 seconds to locate where you feel it in the body, to make some kind of movement or noise, to kind of let it go. So I want you to think about that. Like, what are you feeling right now? Some of you may be the urgency of the bladder, and if you do, we'll, you know, you, do not hold that too long. That's all I gotta say. Okay. Um, where do you feel it in your body? And then, but this is a great question sometimes to ask kids and adult, your partner or a friend or a roommate to just give them a minute to locate it. And then my, my staff, when I used to be the crisis counselor at the high school, always knew when it was a bad day because they would hear this, (sighs) 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 you know why? Because I'm resetting my amygdala when we're in the fight and flight stage. When we breathe, and I'm even going to give you some extra with this, we'll just do it. This may not be in exactly the right order, but y'all don't care. Y'all don't even know. So, okay, we're going to breathe in the love of God. Everybody do it with me. And we're going to breathe out a worry or a concern we have. Okay, I'm going to give you a couple of hints because there's a nurse in here panicking right now. Breathe in through your nose so you don't hyperventilate. Okay, school nurses, they're always like, make sure you tell them to breathe in through their nose out through your mouth, okay? If your sinuses are a little stopped up, I'd like to breathe through one nostril and then the other. It's really crazy, but it really helps. I'll breathe in one and out the other. Um, I learned that in a, a holy yoga, holy stretching class kind of thing where they read scriptures over you while you just lay there. It's great. My husband says only my wife could merge a nap and exercise to that point and call it, you know, um, you know, God time with Jesus on a mat. Okay, So breathe in. Let's do it again. Breathe in. And you might stretch a little too. There might be a muscle that's really tight in your neck or your shoulders. You've been sitting for a while. In God's love or his peace or whatever you need, let's just, God offers so much in his scripture to you and breathe out whatever you want to let go of. Maybe it's a person that you do need to forgive like we talked about. Or maybe it's just the frustration like me of the day. (sighs) And when we do it with kids, we have them sometimes if they're not, they're like, it's not working. It's not working. Um, so sometimes that's because we, need, we will hook them up to like a biofeedback machine and we can actually see the heart flow moving. But sometimes it's easier just to say, why don't you put a book on your belly and see if you can move that book up and down. So you get a full, because especially as ladies, we wear spanks, We like to suck it in, especially. If, I saw y'all taking those pictures, you know. So, but... In the midst of that, you need to do a little breath work, right? Some breath work so that we do fill our lungs and our, our, our brains up with that oxygen that we need. Okay. So why we need to make up our mind is, do you realize this is from Dr. Caroline Leaf, and, she, and I'm going to agree with her and then disagree with her a little bit. I, I try to be really respectful about this. She's a mental health expert. She says we think over 70,000 thoughts a day, and we make 35 decisions a day. No wonder we are tired. I keep joking with my husband. I think I make 45 and he makes 10. I don't know how that happens, but somehow, (laughs) I feel like sometimes I get the brunt of that. Dr. Lee first wrote a book about changing your, switching on your brain, and she said you needed to do this cycle for 21 days. Well, I guess it wasn't working very well because she's got a new book out called Clean Up Your Mental Mess. And and I actually interviewed her on my podcast. I have a great respect for her. And now her neurocycle is like 63 days. Ladies, let me tell you what I think. You know how often you have to make up your mind? Every single morning. Because here's the thing you're going to do, one of two things. You're either going to see how you feel, and that is probably not going to be good because if you're older, you're going to feel tired and creaky, okay, and achy. And if you're younger, do you know when your melatonin is the highest? Right when we're waking you up, you're going to be sleepy and exhausted, so that is not a good way to start your day. But let me ask each one of you a question. And I want you to kind of throw some out here. How would you like to feel tomorrow when you woke up? Give me some words. Excited. Fantastic. Energized. I like that. I'm kind of like the Energizer Bunny. I go, go, go. Y'all just wait. By 11 o'clock, I'm going to crash like no other. The batteries win. Okay. Now, here's my next question to you, and I really want you to think about this. What thought or scripture do you need to think in the morning to produce that feeling in your body? Think about it. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Might use something like that. Does that bring a different feeling to your day than, oh, my joints ache. It's going to be cold today. I don't know if I want to do this. You know. Or if you got littles, like, I just want them off me, you know. (laughs) I know, I've been there, hiding in the bathroom or the car, wherever you can get. Okay, so I really want you, that is one of the things I want you to take away from this tonight, is what do you need to think in order to feel the way you want to feel? And let me tell you this, for some of you, that's not going to be that hard because you've been working on stuff like this. But don't come, this is why I tell my clients, don't come back to me in seven days and say, it doesn't work at all. You've been training your brain. Ladies, we talk so mean to ourselves, so mean to ourselves. You've been talking mean to yourself for years. It's going to take more than seven days to undo that. But if you were, just like like I'm having to do right now, physical therapy is no fun, let me tell you. I'm having to make muscles work that haven't worked in a long time. Y'all saw me go up that stage, right? I'm still grateful I have on straps on my shoes. I sometimes leave one behind. But we have to work those muscles. And this is a mental muscle you will have to train. Um, Some of you students, you do cross country. You do gymnastics. You You guys learn math. Do you get to do math once a week? No, they make you do it every day. I know for those of you who do not like math, that is not fun. But the reason they do that is to train your brain to think about math. You can't learn a language unless you take it daily. There's all these things. So I want you to start thinking about how are you going to build this muscle before your feet hit the floor? Okay? I, I'll tell you some ways I like to do it in a little bit. I, I can be a little lazy with this. So this does not mean you have to get up and do a 30-minute Bible study in the morning. If you do that, like my mama who's retired, God bless you and keep it up. And my sister writes those. I go, when I was a preschool mom, I'm like, ain't nobody got time for that in the morning. They are in my bed before I'm even awake, you know. (laughs) I really like your six-page study, but I think I, and I did it when I was single and married young, and I'm going to do it again someday. I like BSF. I like all that stuff. But right now, if I get in the bathroom and I have a little devotional in there and I hide and read it, I'm doing really great to start my day. So, and here's the scripture that goes with our our new book that's coming out, Make Up Your Mind. Be careful how you think because your life is shaped by your thoughts. And that goes all the way back to like Franklin Covey in the old days of like, you know, you think a thought, you create a belief, you create this belief, you create a behavior, you create this behavior, you create a habit, you create this habit, you create a character. And why some of us are struggling is because we got to go back and work on all that. I have to do a little bit of that. I mean, I was on drugs and laying in a recliner for several months. It would be really easy to adapt that lifestyle, but I cannot answer the call of God and do that. Now, some of you are on the other end like my mama. You like to just work and work and work and work. And we'll talk about that in two. I had somebody like that tell me, how do I? they feel so guilty. They think they're being lazy if they create that balance. I'll give you a great criteria for that. I had this client. I work with lots of, like, high-producing, overachieving women. I don't know why they like me. But they asked, one of them asked me, how do I know if it's lazy or rest? And I said, if you're, and God just gave me this, and I was thankful to him. Every once in a while, something good pops out. Um, I said, if you're doing what God has called you to do, and you still don't do some things, that's not lazy. And, I, and I, I told her, for me, God has not called me to dishes. I'm just telling you that now. <laughs> but he has called me to some other things. And I do do dishes occasionally. But I, but I can rest with the dishes being undone. Because they will be there the next day. In fact, I had a, a mom recently who's had, had, had COVID for like weeks and she's had the kind that's lingered. And she said, you know, I really have noticed that whether I clean or I don't clean, it kind of looks the same the next day. I was like, good, because she needs to rest and heal. God has not called her right now to do that many dishes. He has called her to rest and heal. So I would ask you, what is God calling you to do? And I would ask you if you're in high school or middle school, what is God calling you to do? You don't get a calling, it's not a job. A calling is so much more than that. I worked for a guy named Louis Giglio in college, and he taught me that. There's no bullseye. A a calling is like you pray without ceasing. You encourage other people. There's all these thoughts and scriptures that have nothing to do with where your paycheck comes from. And that's more important, but sometimes our world gets lost on that. All right, so we want to work on this. This takes some intention and some accountability. So I want you to think about what's a mindset you need to change? What's a negative thought that runs through your head that you need to work on? And, and the, don't do this. I had one client who said this week, I'm not going to be so scared. I'm not going to be so scared. Well, if I tell all of you to think about the pink elephant, don't think about the pink elephant, don't think about the pink elephant, the pink elephant what is in your head? Yeah. We don't want to do it that way. We don't want to say, don't do the negative. What we want to do is reframe that. If I tell you think about the blue mouse, you're going to see the blue mouse, right? So we took that, I'm not going to be so afraid, To think, I'm going to walk confidently. I'm going to be courageous because God can be courageous in me. So I want you to think about something that you struggle with. Some people call themselves stupid. And if you need a little help with that, I have some good ideas for that. You can do things like, say, even though. Even though it's really hard right now and I have to take care of my parents and it's bringing up a lot of my family of origin issues, I can still have a good day and be loving. Even though my kid is struggling and I wish I could fix it, I'm still loved today and I'm going to parent well. Or you could add with God's help in there. I like those three words too. I like even though and I like, because I don't like that psychology, that positive psychology where you're saying something you don't believe at all. Uh, Does that really work for y'all? It does not work for me. I am skinny. I am skinny. I will not eat the cookie. It doesn't help. It doesn't help. Okay? Even though I want the cookie, with God's help, I will open the fridge and eat a carrot. That is much better. That works much better for me. You know, if I just say I'm not a woman who eats cookies, I am a woman who wants to eat cookies. That's just reality. Okay, so I want you to begin to think about that, and I want you to think about ways that you can do this. I like devotions. That's why we wrote Loved and Cherished for Girls, because we wanted to get this. We didn't want to tell them they need to do stuff for God. We just want them to know they're loved. They don't have to perform. And some of you ladies, I have grandmas reading this book, and they're like, my inner child needs to hear I am loved. It's not based on what I do. It's not based on who likes me. And for some of you, it's not based on your social media likes. It's not based on who wants to date you or who doesn't. You're just loved. You're just loved. And what would it look like for you to walk through a day loved? What would that look like? How could you make up your mind that you are loved? And I ask teenagers in my office, what does it look like to walk the hallway knowing God loves you? What does it look like to face a math test? Let's get real here, knowing God loves you. What does it look like when the girl you think is prettier than you and the boy you like pays attention to her instead of you? What's it look like to experience that and know God loves you? What's that look like to you? And I can take this into momville, but I I, I think you guys got that. You can do a mindset reset. Some of us get off to a good start, and sometimes it doesn't last very long. Anyone else have those mornings sometimes? Yeah? That's why I like mindset resets. I got a great idea from Brendan Burchard. I was at one of his growth conferences. And he resets his mind when he goes through a doorway. And that works really great for me because I'm doing telehealth, like counseling at home sometimes. So I need to reset my mind from like, my kids don't want a therapist in their home. I'm just saying they don't. My, my husband has once said, nobody's writing you a check here, honey. <laughs> okay? So, um, so I have to leave Counselor Michelle in the office when I walk through that door, and I need to become mom, and moms of teenagers coach. Adolescent therapists do a lot of others. They dig in and they kind of get you know, and they direct. And that I have permission to do that. I cannot walk out in the middle of a Uno game or a dinner conversation and start that mess. It does not is not well received. Let me just put it that way. Sometimes I need to do a mindset reset when I go in the bathroom because I don't know if you know this, ladies, but if you take a bath, it doesn't have to be bubbles, although I think that's a good idea, three times a week for 20 minutes, it's as effective as a low dose of an anti-anxiety medication. So I always, my husband will laugh. He's like, I'll be like, I'm going to go work on my anxiety. He goes, AKA, your mom's going in the bath. Leave her alone. You know, yeah. That, isn't that helpful to know? Do you know why that works? Because it heats up your muscles. And it helps them then relax when you can't physically make them do that. Hot showers can work like that too. It also can help you go to sleep if you heat your body up at night. Sometimes I'm so lazy I just get a heating pad and I just think, I'm just going to warm up my body temperature a little and maybe I can fall back asleep. Okay? And then I want to remind you, if you leave with something, talk kindly to yourself because God does love you and he Says beautiful blessings over you. It's all over the scriptures. And I would, enc- that's what I want to bring to my daughter and my son. But I don't, I can't live that if it doesn't apply to me, too. It's not very authentic. All right, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Some of you know that by the renewing of your mind. If you know the old school scripture, translations, that's what you're going to hear. Then you will know what it is God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. We have to renew our minds. We have to change the way we think. And, And it does make a huge difference. I had so many temptations today in the midst of the airline stuff on how I was going to think. And it did affect how I was going to feel and how I was going to behave. And you know what else? I'm going to say to you, it's not quite in here. Sometimes we need to ask for help. Texted Kelly, please pray. Kelly's sister sent me a voice message on Instagram and I'm like, you better pray. I didn't make my flight, you know. So recruit some people. I count on the pr- My mom's posse doesn't like write on Facebook praying and that like they throw one up and you're there done like they spend time in the throne room of heaven that is who i recruit if any of you do that please sign up for my newsletter prayer newsletter i would be glad to have you in that place if that is your calling and it is rare these days but it is so needed my mom's work is absolutely as important as my sisters and i's who stand on stages and write books it makes a huge difference So I've told you about the power of even though and with God's help, you can look up something called EFT tapping, and then you can say this over and over again while tapping points that help distress your body. It's the thing called the tapping solution, but here's what I think you got to do with it. That's a secular technique. And it's going to say, I I like, I love myself anyway, or something like that. I, I think you put God in there, use that identity in Christ because you were created by him and he thinks you're good even though you think your hair's too curly some of you even though you wish you were two sizes smaller even though you wish you didn't talk as much as you did even wish you wish you could talk more and be confident about it whatever it is we have to start with that idea that here's reality what Brooke said there's no other Brooke God did not need to be here like somebody else because he's got that covered with those people And you guys needed Brooke. My sister writes Bible studies for Lifeway. She's in South Dakota somewhere doing what I'm doing. But we're not delivering the same message to the same people because we have different callings and different purposes and not one is better than the other. It would be horrible if one of us decided to be like the other. She's like, I'm totally off the hook because I'm not talking about transgender issues with kids ever. You know, I will be glad to spend my time in a concordance. I'm going to give you some other ways. Gratitude. Gratitude will change the way you feel. And don't, like little kids, but sometimes grownups do this too, thank you for my home, my food. Real gratitude that works is, in the last 24 hours, what are you grateful for? I'm grateful I got up when my alarm went off at 3.30 this morning. I'm grateful that I made that connecting flight. I'm grateful that the pastor of this particular church was willing to drive an hour away and come get me and hopefully didn't go too fast to get me back here. (laughs) so sure about that one so that's a that is um a tool that you can use another tool you can use is mindfulness five things you can see four things you can hear three things you can touch two things you can smell one thing you can taste usually it's not good but i got a mint in my pocket for later for that one but you know what it does when you do that it all the racing in your brain has to stop and all of a sudden, you can just bring the RPMs down a little bit. Another thing is distraction. Now, some of us are overdoing it. I used to do like, since COVID, how many of you have binged on Netflix like multiple seasons and, you know, half the room went up? Distraction is really helpful, but I will tell you this. I have learned this more in this season of my life than I ever have before. I like distraction. Distraction. I know this sounds crazy with what I do. I will not go see serious drama movies, but for some reason I can fall asleep to Crime Junkie podcasts. I know that sounds really strange, but they solve the problem in 45 minutes. Nothing I do gets solved in 45 minutes. It doesn't work that way. I kind of like that idea, 45-minute solution. It's very rare therapy is a one-off. So it's every once in a while some good MDR, but it's rare. But here's the thing I have to be careful about. I cannot distract myself, and I talk to my son about this because he loves to game. game to the point that it's what Brooke's talking about, shoving it down because it's going to come up. The volcano's either going to shut you down on the inside or it's going to erupt. And somebody in the room's going to think, where did that come from? Some of those people were so mad it had nothing to do with the flight. It was layers and layers and layers of stuff that just erupted today. So I think distraction is a good idea. When you're, if you're having a panic attack, distract yourself, please, because we don't want your body to learn that pattern. If you're thinking really negative thoughts, distract yourself. But if you, have to get, if you get to the point where you have to distract yourself all the time, and I was talking to a woman this week who said, you know where it's the hardest to go is to God because it's so raw and real when I'm in front of him. Don't distract yourself from him. It, it, he wants to be there with you in the pain and if you don't think he does read Psalms okay because David could definitely get a manic depressive diagnosis I promise you he is like you are my God and I am victorious and then he's like slay me down just slay me down take me down I know none of you have felt like that before right <laughs> I can't tell you the number of mom videos that were like, we're going to get through this. It's all good. And then they're in the shower like, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. Yeah. God can handle it. It's very clear if you read that book. And then you can contain it. And I talked to you a little bit about the worry box and things like that. Okay. There are physical dynamics to making up your mind. You will have a hard time making up your mind. I was, the lady who was sitting on the plane, this godly woman, so funny, because she was like watching people. And I started to get a Coke, but it tasted like metal. And I was kind of glad, because here's the reality. Food is fuel. And she offered me trail mix. My trail mix had gotten checked at the gate. Because what we eat does affect how our brain works. If you Google microbiome and gut health, Uh, I work a lot with Dr. Daniel Amen. I'm connected to his clinic in Dallas. He has a great book called Your Brain is Always Listening, and he just talks about how important fuel is. I do think carbs should be involved in that, though. I work with a nutritionist. I'm an eating disorder specialist, okay? But maybe not chocolate cake every time is the card we need, you know? Yeah, might be good to have, like, some whole grain toast with that avocado or something. All right, our body chemistry does matter, and that's why sometimes some supplement or medication is needed. I can have a client, a kid who's like can't think any different and in a week on a medication, all of a sudden they're like, I don't know why I was thinking like that. They're just stuck and and it gets them unstuck. And sometimes when you're too stuck, we have to try something like that. It doesn't mean you have to be on it for the rest of your life. Many people take it for six months to a year, you build your serotonin back up and you wean yourself back off. Breathing resets your amygdala. Do it one more time for me. I was doing that in the car. I don't know if, I don't know if Ann Catherine caught that or not, but I was doing a little. Okay. We discipline our bodies. I had a client who was like, I need to work on this. Because let me tell you what, ladies, I don't care. I don't care about you working out to shape your body. But if you move in some format, the research says, just walking 20 minutes a day, depending on the research day, three to five times a week, it's as effective as a low dose of that medication I'm talking to you about. The where we start looking at the medicine more often, I mean, I'm so serious about this, I keep tennis shoes in my car, and if a client's not moving at all, we will walk and do therapy as long as they have a doctor's release to do it. And they're like, it's amazing how much better I feel. It's really true. It makes a difference. It's kind of both the anti-isolation, you're with somebody, and then you're walking. But also, when we know about EMDR, there's bilateral um, stimulation that happens with EMDR, which is used to treat trauma and reframe your brain. Walking is where she got the idea from. You're bilaterally stimulating your brain when you do this. And even me with my hip replacement made it two miles this week for the first time. Just walking. It wasn't very fast. Heart rate wasn't that much, but it was enough I knew to keep me from freaking out today if what happened happened. Relational dynamics. I told my daughter recently, and my daughter is a beautiful godly woman who like leads worship. And and actually, I keep telling her to quit making me look like a spiritual slacker because she's getting up at five and reading her Bible for like 30 minutes while I'm hitting the snooze button sometimes. But sometimes she can do the whole eye roll mom really like she actually helped me pick out this outfit and i went back to the closet five times before anything looked good but sometimes she my kids will say things to me and i'm like you know how i'm so careful what i say to you because your brain's always listening mine is too i need you to think about what you're saying to me in your eye rolls and your frustration sometimes or how loud i'm chewing my food or whatever it may be So these things can, you may have to reset. There are certain people. I have one woman. She says, I got to set my mind. I call my mom and then I need to reset my mind. (laughs) Y'all are laughing. Don't point. And if your mama's sitting beside you, just say, I love you, mama. Okay. We have to think about our community and some of us will do better. Do you realize you become more like the five people that you're most around So hopefully God is in that mix. It'd be good, right? But some of you may need to find, don't ditch the old people like, uh, sorry, I don't want to be like you. I'm out. I'm not talking. I did have a woman. I was working on boundaries because I've worked with John Townsend and Henry Cloud forever. Um, and, And, you know, you don't just go like that. But some of you need to think about, who do I want to bring closer in? And who do I need to spend less time around? You do not have to answer the phone every time your mama calls. Unless you're 12 and we need to know where you are. And we pay for your phone. That's a whole different deal. Okay? But when we work with addiction, we want you to change your playground and your playmates. And you may have to reset your mindset in this way. You may need to find some safe people. And I will tell you this, I'm sitting in a church, but sometimes we aren't very safe people in the church. And you know when that happens? It's when we think, when we try to make you think we look like Jesus, because only Jesus looks like Jesus. The most unsafe person in the world is the person who has no problems because you will always be their problem, and it's not good. So find people that have problems. You come to my house. If you think you're a bad housekeeper, I can give you the ministry of knowing you are pretty darn good compared to this Texan, (laughs) let me tell you. Okay, But also, there's a sense of, I I know you're going to love me whether my dishes are in the sink or not. Some of you, I want to talk about this, some of you need to bring more support in. That's why people hire counselors and coaches and talk to ministers. And we need the youth ministers and the parent volunteers for that. Because we need people saying, I see good in you. I have hired a vocal coach for my daughter and she doesn't need a lot of work with that or needs some work, but not a lot. But this woman has been trained by the Elevation Worship Team and she's a worship minister and she affirms God at work and my daughter during those lessons. Those are priceless to me. Because sometimes when I say it, she just rolls her eyes because I'm her mother and I have to. Some of you have too many voices. Brooke talks a little bit of that. Social media, you take you take a poll, you need to think about who your poll people are, <laughs> you know, in that process. Okay, spiritual dynamics. I want to end with this. I will tell you this. Part of what I thought, think went on today, and that's the reason I recruited the prayer team, is some of that was not flesh and blood and airplane schedules. That's the enemy at work to rattle me before I come up here. Right? That's why sometimes when my kids are having a really hard day, the other night my daughter came in and she said, she just looked different. She was telling me goodnight. She tucks me in now. It's kind of cool. I used to tuck her in. (laughs) I don't make it down the stairs a lot of times if I tuck her in and she doesn't want me sleeping with her anymore. I don't blame her. Um, She comes in, tucked me in, and I just said, Sophia, you look a little different tonight. And she said, Mom, I'm just, I'm a little overwhelmed by everything. I still have some schoolwork to do. And you know what I could have done as a mom? I said, I could have said, well, you, didn't, you, you slept in a little today. And you could have gotten up a little earlier. And you went to theater. And then I remember we went real quick and got a drink with your friend. I could have made her feel guilty. But instead, I said to her, I know what that's like. I put off stuff too. Let's, let me just pray for you. Can I just sit here and pray for you right now? And I prayed over Sophia. I just said, God... I just pray for Sophia. I know what it's like to feel overwhelmed and discouraged and it's late and she needs some energy. Would you help her focus and get done when she needs to get done and give her wisdom to know when she needs to go to bed? And Lord, if there's any way to lighten this load, would you, would you make it happen? Because you are amazing and you move mountains in Jesus' name. I did not do a, not do a sermon in a prayer. That is not okay either. I tell people all the time. And she came squealing about five minutes later. She goes to a Christian school, and her teacher, for some reason at that moment, felt led to postpone an assignment. She said that. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. You know what? There's no magic in that. God's not a genie. But we would have missed experiencing God in that moment if I hadn't joined her in prayer, if I hadn't gone against the force that was just trying to discourage her in that moment. And, and I hope more you will think about that. A lot of times people will say, will you pray for me? And I'll say, yeah. And now I'm like, let's do it now. Let me pray for you. Let me lift you up and give you some words of encouragement. I did that with Kelly when we were in the midst of that, talking about this event. Let's just pray now. Let's do it. So there's prayers. I talked to you about breath prayers. You can write your prayers. If you don't know this, writing also, there's, there's, there's psych science behind it. You cannot have racing thoughts and write. It won't work because your pen doesn't move that fast and the neuromuscular slows the brain down. So even when you don't feel like it's... I mean, you can even write, this is stupid, I wish I wasn't writing and your brain will get better as you do it. <laughs> I loved I a friend, Dr. Sondra Dalton-Smith. She has a great book on sacred rest. She, now, because she talks about how rest looks different to each one of us. We need spiritual rest. Some of us aren't getting much of that. When I was having all those symptoms... My doctor's like, well, it could also be a nervous breakdown. I am like, I know my doctor really well. We consult back and forth. He's on my, te- we were on telehealth. I'm like, ha ha. And he goes, no, seriously though, you're running so fast, girl. How about you commit to two half days off a week, no matter what? Because you're running these Saturday things and flying out and you need to make a commitment to that, to go down. And that doesn't mean be thinking about your next thing while you're down. See, we need creative rest. Some of us like naps. Some of us, we're like two-year-olds. We think that's torture, right? Some of us just can't do it. I want you to think about what kind of rest do you need? Do you need relational rest? Have you been spending too much time around people? Do you need rest from your bed because you've been in it too much? Do you need rest? (laughs) I love it when that happens. I don't know why, but I just love it when that happens. All right. I think that landed well. Okay. So here's the other thing I will tell you. When you're resting, it is a good idea to, to involve spirituality in that rest. I like to, okay, so I'm, I have an 11 and 14-year-old. So there are not many, and I have a husband who has a mind of his own, God willing. And so my daughter so much thinks that our world is a negotiation that she has decided she would like to have children and not get married. <laughs> She's like, Mom, marriage is a lot of work. <laughs> I'm like, it is a lot of work, but it's awesome. Your daddy and I do work hard because we decided neither one of us wanted to be the bulldozer running over someone. So there's a lot of negotiation in our marriage, but it is we actually enjoy that. I guess she doesn't always, but that's okay. Um, But there's lots of ways to infuse this into your life. You can tell Alexa, so I try to boss these people around. They don't listen to me, but Alexa listens to me a lot. Every once in a while, she goes offline, But she's pretty cool. I have Alexa programmed. When I say, Alexa, good morning, she says, good morning, sunshine. She plays, I like that, it makes me just feel good. and then she plays the Pray Every Day podcast that my friend Mary DeMuth does where she, she's reading through Revelation which you just get an automatic blessing because you listen to it. So I'm thinking this is a good deal. I'm hitting the snooze bar. bar I'm laying in bed and I'm getting a blessing because Revelation is playing while I'm doing this. So she, she reads Revelation. She prays for you. I love that. I need somebody to pray for me. And I actually know her so it's kind of double cool. Every once in a while I go, you prayed that for me somehow. I just know you did. And then after that, if you don't know this, like, you can also say, Alexa, open the Bible app and read me the verse of the day. That's my 11-year-old's favorite way to connect with God. And she will read you the verse of the day in a really cool Charleston Heston kind of voice. (laughs) If you haven't done it, it's kind of funny. Okay? So what I'm telling you is it doesn't have to be the 30 minutes. You can get on the app on your phone. You can read a proverb a day. There's lots. You can read a devotional. I mean, you can subscribe to them. We will dump stuff in your emails, ladies, like crazy because any author's publisher wants you t- to give us your email address. Um, don't worry, I, I barely have time to take care of myself. I don't write many emails to y'all. Every once in a while, I'm like, I got a book coming out or I'm coming in your town. If you want to talk to me, come see me. But I want to talk to you about these spiritual dynamics and I want to kind of end here because here's the thing. You can make up your mind in a worldly way and there's been a lot of people selling that lately. Have you also known it that a lot of them are getting divorced and their lives are kind of crashing and it didn't really work? Yeah. Because here's the thing. It starts by the freedom that comes from the cross. It comes from this place. And if you've not heard this or you've heard this and you've thought, yeah, but not me, just take a minute to see if it could be you. You know, we all mess up. Do you know when your mess-ups were taken care of? Over 2,000 years ago, there were these three words. It is finished. It is finished. And that is what God is offering to each one of you tonight. A relationship with a God who loved you so much. He knew you could never do what the world's trying to get us to do. I mean, in the old days, we were supposed to be smart, athletic, or popular. Now, it's all or nothing. It's part of the reason our kids are dying. They just feel like they can't do it. And they're right, they can't, because they were never created to. We were created to rest that it's been done. And you're free and he loves you. And there's nothing, any of you could come out there and tell me. I, will, I do take confessions. I do not charge. There's no, like, you know, the, the doctor is in five cents or anything. Um, there's nothing you could say. And I promise you, because I've heard a lot in 25 years in my therapy office, I will not go into what happens in sex therapy work with you. I've heard some strange things. <laughs> but even those are covered by that. Sorry, girls, those of you who are under 14 in this room, close your ears every once in a while when I talk. Everything's finished. And he loves you, and you don't have to do more. You don't have to read another scripture. You don't have to go to church on Sunday. You don't have to do anything to receive his love. It's just like a present. You just take it. And then some of you have taken it, but it's been a long time since you opened it up. It's been a long time since you really held that gift. And that may be where you are. And I want to invite you, I want to remind you that he's not like, well, it's been a long time. Maybe not today. He's not like a passive aggressive date. Okay? (laughs) He loves you. (laughs) He wants to be with you. And he doesn't care that it's been a while. He's like, good to see you. Good to see you come on, let's do this. I'm here for you. I want to walk with you. I'm for you. And there is an enemy out here that will tell you the brokenness in your life means he's against you. This is what I'm hearing from Gen ZB. If you don't know what that's called, that's anyone about 11 and up. They've literally never known life without a screen. Weird thing to think about, isn't it? They tell me... Sometimes that it doesn't matter. That it's not there for them. But it is. It is. So some of them I just say, try it. Why don't you try it? Why don't you see what it's like? Just just say, God, if you're there, reveal yourself to me. You exist. Because here's what I see in that generation. They're desperate for hope. <laughs> and our hope is eternal. All right, so Brooke's gonna come up here and she's gonna take a moment. And if you have never, ever thought about that decision and beginning that kind of relationship with Christ and walking in the freedom of this instead of all the baggage, we're gonna have prayer people up here in front of here. And everybody who's coming up may not be making a decision. We also wanna be here, maybe you're carrying just a heavy load and you need to talk to someone about it. We're here for that. Maybe you haven't been walking very closely with him, and you would like us to pray that, that, that God, you would just experience that relationship with him again. We're here for that. So I'm going to join these ladies down here. Kelly's going to come up in a minute, and we are going to close this out with just a time. And you don't have to come up here. You may not need the support. You, you are welcome to sit where you are, do some breathing, and connect with the Father. Sometimes that's hard for me because it makes me cry. But that's okay. Let the tears come because then the volcano won't explode. Thank you.
1: Amen. So good. Look, I don't know what you walked through those doors with, but God knows. Maybe you've come in and you felt like God isn't here in your prayers, or maybe you feel alone. Maybe you feel like you have no hope. But I feel like you're here tonight, not by coincidence. God already had it figured out, and He knew you'd be here, and that you would need to hear what was said today. I just want to remind you that you are loved. God wants what's best for you. He has it figured out. Amen. If you know this song, I'd love if you would just stand and worship with me and something beautiful when we come together and worship the name of Jesus.
2: Jesus no.
1: So that I can live in eternity with you one day. But until then, you called me here to share the name of Jesus, to share hope and love. In Jesus' name.
0: want to thank you all again for being here on behalf of Forks Velcorn Baptist Church, on behalf of the devoted leadership team. Yes, you may be seated. Um, I didn't tell you who I was, and I do that every time. I even had it at the top of the paper. My name is Kelly Lester, and I didn't do it. But you you really don't need to know who I am. But anyway, I just want to thank you all for joining us. I want us to give another round of applause to Brooke, Kylie, And Michelle for joining us. Yes, I think we needed this. i don't know that anybody else in the room was as excited as i was as that plane landed <laughs> because i thought oh 50 minutes is a long time for me to speak yes <laughs> anyway so again i want to thank you all for coming again thank the holy spirit for being here i felt his presence in this place and i pray that he spoke to each and every one of you and um a couple things as you leave as you leave please don't forget if you want a door prize um, on the back of your name tag and it was too big for you to carry please uh, don't forget to stop by the Welcome Center and pick that up also we have a sticker that we want to give to each of you as a reminder I placed it on the back of my phone if you're a young girl you may want it on a water bottle or a Chromebook or You do with it what you want. You can use it as a bookmark, whatever you want to do, but it's a reminder of the scripture that she shared about making up your mind, and I think that's very important. Um, I also want to tell you that as your cherry on top of the evening, Hoggy's ice cream is here, and um, we have paid for each of you to get a scoop of your choice. So as you exit, as you exit, don't forget your sticker. And don't forget to stop out under the drive under for your scoop of ice cream and be patient with them and with each other and take those deep breaths while you're in line waiting on that ice cream. But anyway, thank you again for coming. Um, We hope to be in contact with you. Please be on the lookout for an email following this um, service. That's just so that we can continue to connect with you and provide you with resources that can help you in your walk with the Lord. And so, um, please read that email. Um, and so again, thank you for coming. You're dismissed. Go get your ice cream. <laughs> no, uh, it was in my blood. I would trade it off of shame when you give me love. I took your words and made a riddle with that. Then I cried a river and you went and built a bridge over that. Rainstorms, rainbow, you brought the Skittles to that. You gave me love when oh, I had nice gas.